been, we're, we're concluding a series that we've called Wait What? And we're looking at some of the crazy stories in the Bible. And uh, we've just been talking about them, hopefully understanding them and applying them. And I keep saying all along, if it doesn't make sense by the end, it didn't make sense in the beginning. And so we just, we tried our best, you know what I mean? But I do think that God's been speaking to us in this series um, so far. It's been a lot of fun uh, looking at some of the crazy, weird stories in the Bible. And there's a lot of them, so we'll definitely have to bring the series back and talk about more of them. Last week, if you were with us, um, we looked at, well, two weeks ago, we looked at a character named Elisha. We were introduced to his ministry, and then last week, we saw the death of Elisha, and the weirdest thing happened. He died. He was buried. His bones were in a grave. Somebody threw another dead guy into the tomb of Elisha, touched the bones of Elisha, and that man stood up and walked out, and we're like, wait, what just happened? And that's kind of the point. Um, and we talked about it. Now, tonight we're going to fast forward. We're going to be in Luke's gospel, the New Testament, chapter 4. And we're going to look at uh, the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at a strange story in the life of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of interesting things that happen in the life of Jesus. But I would say less than crazy or weird, they're more ironic than anything. And the reason they're ironic is because Jesus, being God in flesh, has a very unlikely story you know you imagine God coming down to earth and there's been all sorts of different ideas of this like the most recent God coming to earth that we know of is Thor right like and he's like the most handsome man who has ever like grazed our galaxy and he's like like larger than life and he's got perfect golden hair and like he's just this amazing specimen right I mean that's not weird it's kind of weird Nate stop talking about Thor like that Moving on. Um, but like we have that like Thor comes and it's like this larger than life, incredible, like he is a God among men. And then the life of Jesus takes a totally different, totally different perspective. I mean, we know that Jesus was born in a barn because there was no space for him in the hotel. They're like, sorry, man, but we've got like a stable out back you can have your kid in. And they're like, yeah, I guess. And here's the son of God being born literally in a feeding trough in a barn. Like, it's just crazy to think about. Um, and, and there's all sorts of stories like this in the life of Jesus. Tonight, I want to look at one that's especially strange, in my opinion, and one that doesn't get a lot of play. So th that's going to be what we're talking about in Ch Luke chapter 4. And I've titled this message, if you take notes, Messiah in the Middle. Messiah in the middle. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. I'm going to read through verse 30, and then uh, we'll kind of talk about it. It says this, so he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. In other words, where he was raised. And, he, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, quote, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and, re and, recover, uh, excuse me, and recovery of sight to the blind. Uh, I totally lost my place. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. So picture the scene. Jesus comes to Nazareth. This is the town he grew up in. He goes into a synagogue. They hand him a scroll. It's the book of Isaiah. He opens it to this particular portion of scripture, reads it to the people there. He closes it. Then he closed the book and gave it uh, back to the attendant and sat down. 
And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we just read this portion of scripture about how God's spirit is upon this person to preach the gospel. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. He's going to open the eyes of the blind, all these things. And then he says, today that is happening. And then it says, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Like they're basically saying, like, didn't we go to school with this guy? Like, that's that's like Joseph the carpenter. Like his his shop is right over there. Is that not that Jesus? Because remember, he grew up in this town. And it says, uh, and then he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in, in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except for Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha. We know that character from last week, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill on which there was, their city was built, built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Okay, so here's the story. You following it so far? Jesus is in the synagogue. It's like a small church. He gets up. They hand him a portion of scripture. He opens it to Isaiah. He reads it. Then he says, today, that verse that I just read is being fulfilled. In other words, I'm the person that that verse is talking about. And they're like, what? No. They said, wait, what? No, that's, they're like, that's, you're, you're Joseph's son. Your dad's a carpenter. You, we went to school with you like, hey, Jesus, it's me. Remember, we had first period English together. Like, what are you talking, or Hebrew, I guess, together? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, he says, you'll, you'll see, in other words. And he says, pretty soon you're going to ask, do the same thing that you did in Capernaum here. Jesus was already doing ministry in Capernaum. He'd already healed people. He'd done some miracles. The the book of Luke doesn't record it, but the book of John does. He's already done miracles. He hasn't done anything in Nazareth. And he said, pretty soon you guys are going to ask me for that. Then he goes on and he tells these stories of Elijah and Elisha. And basically what he's saying is that God forever has revealed himself in unlikely places. That God in unlikely places revealed him. He says there was all these widows in Israel, yet God chose a Gentile widow. I'll talk about that more in a minute. A Gentile widow to heal. There was a bunch of lepers, which were sick people, in Israel in the time of Elisha, who we talked about last week. And yet God chose to heal one guy by the name of Naaman, who wasn't an Israelite, who was a Syrian. And so he says God reveals himself in strange ways. And at this point they're like, what are you talking about? We don't like that. We're mad at you. So they, they pick him up or they push him out, out of the synagogue, up this cliff, and they're going to throw him off the cliff. 
A little side note, I went to Israel a couple years back, and we stood on this cliff that people, uh, that, that they were attempting to throw Jesus off of. It's in Nazareth. You're overlooking the city of Nazareth, and it's a very steep hill, and it goes a straight down cliff. Very clearly the one that they're like, this is, we're going to throw Jesus off this cliff. So they bring him up. Look what happens. Last verse. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. It's verse 29 again. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led him, there he is, to the brow on the hill which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Wait, what? So, actually, let's pray and then we'll try to break this down. Father, we thank you again. For your word, we ask that you would speak to us now, and Lord, help us make sense of exactly what's going on here, and not only make sense, but Lord, help us to apply it to our life and, and, and walk out with something tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. So again, Jesus is there in the synagogue. He reads the word. He explains what it's talking about. They get mad at him. They take him out of the city. They lead him out. So he's with them in this huge crowd of people. They lead him to the top of this hill. They're fixing to throw him off of this cliff, and then all of a sudden they're like, what? Weren't we? They're like, Jesus? Where'd you go? And it wasn't like he like threw down a puff of smoke, was like, and he disappeared, and they're like, whoa. Literally, it says that just walking through the midst of them, he, the, that word midst, it literally means walking through the middle of them, he went his way. So they're, they're all, all angry, like maybe they're like about to pick him up over their head. They're all upset. They're going to throw Jesus off this cliff. And then he's just like, all right, see you guys. And he walks away. I heard this story. I'm like, what is, what is going on? What is happening here? And, and, and clearly, the people are upset at Jesus, right? Clearly, they're upset at Jesus when they're trying to throw him off a cliff. And the reason was because they were missing a couple of things. There, there were things that weren't making sense to them in this moment that caused them to rise up and decide, we're going to chuck him off a cliff. The first thing that they were missing is that they had missed the point. They'd missed the point. Now, they're upset at Jesus really for a couple reasons. One, he claimed to be God and they knew him and didn't believe him. Jesus, when he reads this text from Isaiah, and then he says, today this is, scripture is fulfilled, what he is saying is that he is the promised Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Hebrew word, and it's this idea all the way back into the Old Testament, there was prophecy that, that there would be a savior to the people of Israel. Now, their mindset at the time was that God would raise up some sort of Moses-like character who Moses led them out of bondage from the Egyptians into the promised land. They thought God would raise up some sort of political leader that would sit on a throne or, or reign and, and it would push the Romans out who were occupying Israel at the time and it would be some type of political reign. What they missed was that Jesus was actually going to set up a kingdom not of this earth, a kingdom of heaven where all would be welcomed in from then until the end of time. That God would set up a new kingdom, but they, but they thought it was a different thing. So when Jesus says, hey, I am the Messiah, he's saying, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. They're saying, uh, no, you're not. Like, we, we went to school with you. 
If we know who you are, you can't, you, you can't be that person that you think that you are and that you're claiming to be. And so they're upset because he's claiming to be God and because they knew him and they didn't believe him. They're also upset because he's saying that God loves Gentiles. Now, Gentiles, we've talked about this before, Gentiles are non-Jews. Israel is God's chosen people. It's the promised land. It's where all of the stories of the Bible unfold, is in the land of Israel with the people of Israel. But then God, through the message of Jesus and through the acts of Jesus, opens this door for all of the world through faith in him to enter into the kingdom of God and be a part of the family of God. And at the time, culturally, the Jews didn't necessarily like the Gentiles, and the Gentiles didn't necessarily like the Jews. And so Jesus, in the statement, when he talks about Elisha, and when he talks about Elijah, and he talks about the widow, and he talks about the leper, basically what he's saying, if I could summarize it, is that God has always and will always love the Gentiles as well. They didn't like that. They're like, no, 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 we are, I'm God's favorite, not them. You can't like them. Like, it's me. You ever had, like, like three close friends, and you're like, you ask one of your friends, like, hey, like, out of me and the other one, like, who's your, like, real best friend? And you're like, like, it's just, you can be straight with me, like, who's, who's, like, your, like, closest, but, like, I know who it is, but just so I know, too. <laughs> and, like, sometimes when you think, like, you see, like, if it, I grew up in, like, my posse was three, it was me and two other buddies, like, we did everything together, and when, like, two of them were hanging out without me, I was like, what's going on? Like, you edging me out? Like, what's happening here? And, and sometimes, like, there's that, like, there's that jealousy a little bit. Like, what, what's going on? And so at the time, when it's like, God loves the Gentiles, like, uh-uh. Like, God loves me. He doesn't love them. And so what Jesus is saying, he's like, no, you don't understand that God's grace, it's for everybody. Everyone's adopted in. And they didn't like that. But all of this, what I'm trying to say is that they were missing the point of what Jesus was saying and who he was. He was saying, he was revealing to the people in his hometown, he was saying, listen, the Messiah that we've been waiting for, the Messiah that the country, the nation, the world has been waiting for, he is here. And today, he says, that today the scripture is fulfilled. It's happening right before your eyes. But they're so preoccupied in what he said, they're missing the point of what he said. You ever get so preoccupied with little details, you miss the actual point? Uh, the other day, where's Gumball at? There's Gumball. He, he was showing me this YouTube video. Shout out Gumball, everybody. <laughs> he, he was showing us this, this YouTube video where it was like the sleight of hand things, where it's got like the, the three cups, and there's like a ball underneath, and you're supposed to pay attention to, to, to the ball. And then all of a sudden, there's like eight cups, and then there's like 15 cups, and it's all going on. He's like doing these things. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like when you rewatch it, you realize that there had been a bunny that like bounced across the screen. And but you're so preoccupied on following the ball, you missed it. There was another one. It's like, hey, follow, count how many times these people pass the basketball to each other. And you're like counting, you're counting, you're counting. And you miss that a person in a gorilla costume actually like walks by the screen like this because you're counting like one, two, Three, four, and, and the whole thing is like you were so focused on this little thing, you missed a person in a gorilla costume walk across the screen. And sometimes in life, we're so preoccupied on the little things that we miss the point of the big thing. We, we miss what's actually happening. 
and, and here the Messiah is, and yet they're so preoccupied on what he said, they missed what he's doing. The second thing is they missed the person. They missed the point, they also missed the person. Now, after they, they missed the point, they got so upset that they wanted to kill him and even attempted to do so. They marched him up this cliff, they're going to push him off, and then he's gone. Poof. He disappears. It's a new word for you. It's got Mississippi in the inside the word disappears. <laughs> Anyways. Jesus disappears. How, how did they lose him? What happens? How, how does all of a sudden you're mad at this person, you're marching, marching him up a cliff, you're about to chuck him off, and then he just disappears? Well, a couple things. One, Isaiah 53 verse 2 speaks of Jesus. This was prophetic about Jesus. But it says this, For he, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of the dry ground. Listen, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's prophetic, written about the, the person of Jesus. Most people believe that it's written literally about his physical appearance. And so it says, when we look at Jesus, there's no form or comeliness. It, it, Jesus wasn't the person that when he walks in a room, everybody's head turns. You know that person? Like they walk into the room, maybe they're super tall, or maybe they just got a big personality, or whatever they is, they, they walk into a room, and everybody's just like fixed on that person. That, that verse is saying that wasn't the case for Jesus. He was pretty regular. He, he was average. He, he was just kind of, he's from Nazareth, son of a carpenter. He, he was just kind of a, a, a regular, regular person. To quote the Lego movie, his face is so generic he matches everybody else in our database. Like, it's just like, he, he's, just, he's just a regular guy. And so maybe, maybe, and this is just a, a theory, a working theory, maybe they, they're bringing Jesus off, and then all of a sudden Jesus kind of like goes like this, and he just blends in with everybody else. And they're like, which one is he? Like, what? Is that, are you Jesus? Like, no, I'm Mark. Oh, Okay. And all of a sudden, like, maybe he just, he just walks through because he, he just kind of looked like everybody else. But I think more than that, that's kind of goofy, but more than that, they were so focused on what they were doing, they missed what Jesus was doing. Sometimes, listen, this is important, we get so caught up in what we want or what we think we should do, we miss what God is doing. We don't want to be guilty of letting Jesus and his plans and his direction slip through our fingers. Where we get so preoccupied with stuff and things and life and just going through the motions, thinking that we're doing what's right. All the while, Jesus has slipped through our fingers. We've missed the person of Jesus in our life. We've got so caught up in all of these other things, all of these life situations and circumstances and goals and activities and hobbies and, and routines and schedules and all of these things going on, which are good things. But we get so preoccupied in those things that we miss what Jesus is doing in the midst of those things. I can't tell you how many times I've left a situation, gotten my car and gone, that was an open door for me to share about Jesus. Like, I totally, that person was telling me about all of their struggles, all of their life. They're like, there's just no hope for me. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a bummer. All right, see you, buddy. <laughs> and then, like, you get in the car, and you're like, what, 
What are you doing? Like, that was a great up. Literally, this happened this week. This guy was at the gym was, like, complaining and talking about how hard his life is. And my buddy goes, man, what an Eeyore. And I'm like, seriously? And we moved on. <laughs> and then it's like you get in the car and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that guy was honestly looking for something. And I could have pointed him to Jesus. And I'm like, man, that guy's a total bummer. Let's stand over there so he doesn't bum us out anymore. And we miss what Jesus is doing because we're so preoccupied on me, like, bench pressing 25 pounds. And you're like, what are you doing? And these guys, they're, they're so preoccupied in what they're doing, they, they missed the person of Jesus. Listen, we don't want to miss him. This requires close relationship to him and constant communication with him. You don't want to miss him. You need close relationship and constant communication. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says it like this. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've had so that we don't drift away. We've got to pay close attention to what we have so that we don't drift away. Now, Jesus quotes there, and he says in verse 23, he says, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and then whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in here in your country. In other words, what he's saying is, you are going to ask me for a miracle. The thing was, is Jesus did a miracle, and they missed it. Right? It's a miracle that Jesus, all of a sudden, there they are, about to pick him up and throw him off a cliff, and they, they lost him. He disappears. They're like, where did he go? This is a miracle. They asked for a miracle. They got a miracle, but they were so caught up in what they were doing, they missed what he was doing. We don't want that to be our life. All right, final point, number three. Not only uh, did they miss the point and miss the problem, but, or excuse me, miss the person, there was also, they missed the, the problem. Now, I love how Jesus handles this situation. Jesus, especially since this could potentially be a real problem. Now, I told you a few minutes ago in worship that Jesus came to live a perfect life. He came to teach, but ultimately he came to die and to die on the cross for the sins of humanity. The Old Testament in the book of Psalms would actually speak prophetically before the time of Jesus. In fact, uh, Thousands of years before the Romans invented crucifixion, which was their main way of, of killing people in this time period, before the crazy person that thought that up, thought it up, the book of Psalms prophesies that Jesus will die in that way. It talks about how his hands and feet will be pierced and then his arms will be stretched out. And he'll be lifted up. And then it even goes on to, in detail, thousands of years before the time of Christ, it says that at the foot of where he's being crucified, people are going to be gambling for his clothes. Now, if you read all of the gospel accounts of Jesus being crucified on the cross, we're told his arms are stretched out, his hands and his feet are pierced, and at the foot of the cross, there are people literally casting lots or gambling for his clothes. So, so there's all of these prophecies about the way in which Jesus were to die. Now, if these guys pick Jesus up, march him angry mob style up to the top of a cliff and then go like, one, two, three, and he goes, and dies, 
then all of the prophecies about Jesus wouldn't have been fulfilled. See what I'm saying? That this moment was actually, if they couldn't, now, God is God. He's going to do what he's going to do, and people can't stop that. But if they could have, if they could have thrown Jesus off the cliff and Jesus would have died, it would have mean that he was not the promised Messiah. So this is a big problem. This is a big problem for Jesus. And yet, he isn't worried. What does he do? He stays silent and he walks away. Right? He's got all these people mad at him, trying to kill him. What's his response? He doesn't say much and he just walks away. And how many of us need to hear that? Like when there's problems in our life and there's people coming against us and there's, there's things that people are saying about us, how good would it be for us if we just stayed silent and walked away? Like how many conflicts and, and, and ruined relationships and how many fights would we avoid if we just learned to go, yeah, I'll see you later. I mean, Jesus, literally, he's in, he's in a fight that could potentially cost him his life and he's just like, yep. I'll see you later, guys. Stays quiet, and he walks away. I think when we have problems and people come against us, we need to learn to stay silent and walk away. But this is important. The rest of his life was proof of his original claims. He didn't feel the need to convince everyone by arguing. Like, he wasn't like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait. Let me tell you, I'm the Messiah, and here's why. And then argue with them and prove his point so that they don't kill him. Nor, nor did he feel the need to prove it to them by performing some miracle. And saying, wait, no, I'm the Messiah, watch this. And does some crazy miracle. No, Jesus is just like, okay, if you don't want to listen to me, I'm going to walk away. And then the rest of my life will be proof that I am who I said I was. And from that point on, Jesus walked out and his character proved his claim. When Jesus said, I am the Son of God, when he's saying the, 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 the people are being preached to, the gospel is being preached, blind eyes are being opened, the sick are being healed, Jesus walked away from that moment. The gospel was preached, blind eyes were opened, and the deaf were, or their ears were opened, the sick were healed, the dead were raised to life. Jesus walked away, and his character proved his claim. What I want us to understand when it comes to whatever situation you find yourself in, you will find opposition, maybe not being thrown off of a cliff, but probably some sort of persecution and some sort of uh, uh, opposition. The best thing to do is to stay silent, walk away, and let your character prove your claim. The best thing for you to do when you find yourself in opposition is to say, okay, now just watch, watch me live. You don't, you don't want to listen to what I have to say? Just watch me live. Watch how I interact with people. Watch the grace I show. Watch, watch the, the time and effort I put into the things that matter. Watch me live different. Not because I think I'm better than everybody else. Not because I, I have everything together. But because I have relationship with Jesus. And I'm allowing him to transform me day in and day out. And I'm allowing my character, the person that God has called me to be, to back up the claim that I have. Jesus says, okay, you don't want to listen to me. You don't want to trust me. I'll, I'll leave. And do you know what? It says, it says in the very next verse in 31, then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Whew, that's heavy. He said, okay, you, you don't want to listen to me? You don't, there's another synagogue I can go. There's another group of people that, that will, 
that will listen to me. There's another, there's another group of people that will experience a miracle. I listened to a pastor preach on this sermon, and he called it the greatest miracle that never was. Because the, the people of Nazareth had equal opportunity to experience a miracle from God, but because of their lack of faith and their disinterest and not believing, they missed out on a miracle. The only miracle that happened in Nazareth was Jesus disappeared. I don't want the miracle in my life be the fact that Jesus didn't show up. I want the miracle in my life to be that Jesus was there doing the supernatural. And our character needs to back up our claim. Worship team, you guys can come back up here. I had a friend growing up. I'm sure many of you guys can relate to this friend. Maybe not being that friend, but have that friend. He was, he was kind of like the loud talker, the, 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 the guy that claimed everything that he could do at all. Like he was, when we weren't on the basketball court, the best basketball player. And when we weren't at the skate park, best skater there was. And when, when, we weren't, when we weren't at the beach, he was the best surfer that ever existed. And like when we weren't playing the video games, he was the greatest video gamer of all time. But there was this one, one uh, specific experience where he was talking about wakeboarding. Anybody wakeboard? Wakeboard couple, couple? Yeah. So he's talking about wakeboarding, which is like, you know, behind the boat. And he's like, bro, let me tell you, I kill it at wakeboarding. The best there ever was. He's like, bro, I can do a backflip on a wakeboard. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool, man. Like, that's insane. So fast forward, he makes that claim, right? I'm sure he forgot about that claim. Fast forward, we find ourselves on a boat. If you're anything like me, you're like, oh, yeah. This is what I live for. <laughs> I'm like, hey, buddy, um, remember that one time like 16 years ago? Uh, not really. Remember that one time like a couple of weeks ago when you said you could do a backflip on a wakeboard? Here's a wakeboard. Here's a boat. Let's see it. <laughs> and then he goes out. He like stands up. He, can, he does all right. But by no means was there any backflips or flipping of any kind happening behind. And the classic move, right? He gets out. He's like, man, this boat's way different than the one I usually am on. I'm like, yeah, it's the boat's fault. <laughs> like, the reason you can't do it is because the boat, all right, buddy. But, but he, he has the claim, but then when he actually lives it out, he falls way flat. He can't back it up. What, what we want to be as people that place, have placed faith in Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, we are making a claim. We're not making a claim that we're perfect. We're making a claim that we're set apart. We're not making a claim that we've got it all together. We're not making a claim that we're better than anybody else. In fact, we're making a claim that we realize how broken we are, how desperate we are for Jesus. And now because of that, we're going to live different as a result. And what we need to do is allow our character to back that claim. We want to be people that live different. If you guys wouldn't mind, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Pray that God would do that exact thing in our hearts and in our lives. We want to be people that are set apart.